how do we break free from triviality in order to cultivate habits of deep thinking and all for the sake of increasing our delight in God? It's a question that comes to us from a podcast listener named Michael. Hello, Pastor John. How do you think deeply when you have created by whichever way a superficial manner of thinking that skirts matters and gets bored before you have gotten to any real depth? And if you do get bored, how can you challenge yourself to still engage with a matter or a biblical passage without feeling blasé? Michael has given uh, half the answer to his question, I think. He has said, how do you think deeply when you have created a superficial manner of thinking? This is really a huge part of the answer to the last half of his question, namely, what do you do if you get bored before you even engage with the biblical passage long enough to see anything profound? And the answer to that second half of the question is addressed in the first half, namely, the more basic superficial mindset needs to be reversed. That, that superficial mindset that has built up over time needs to be undone, reversed. And I think this is a very perceptive question and touches on an issue that is epidemic among human beings in general, in every age, and perhaps more than ever in our age of ever-present distraction by superficial input from every manner of media. The, epi- the epidemic I'm talking about is the tragic loss of wonder and amazement and all joyful discovery of beauties and glories in the world and in the Word and in our own selves, the loss of it. Human beings really are glorious creatures, a little less than God, the psalmist says, in the image of God, full of potential to know God and to know things the way God knows them and feel with the affections uh, that, that even God has in his own heart. And yet, we are, as one author put it, glorious ruins. <laughs> we have fallen. And one of the great evidences of our fall is that we are so easily bored with glorious reality. We go to visit the magnificent Rockies or Alps or Himalayas, and for a day or two, we are breathless with amazement. And by the end of the week, we're sitting in front of the television in our chalet on top of the mountain, watching pitiful human cinematic efforts to create amazement. That's just who we are. It's tragic. It's the great tragic effect of the fall. Superficiality in a world of wonder. Easy boredom. Loving something for two, three repetitions, and then after that, oh, hum. So Michael is not alone in this entanglement with small, trifling, trivial, empty, insignificant, silly input from every side. And the question is, how do you rebuild a mindset that might wake up to the sleepwalking of silliness that postures as meaningful life? The first thing you do is repent and confess to God that this is a huge problem and involves much sin. Then you cry out to God for help that he would 
wake you up from the slumbers of emptiness and meaninglessness and boredom in the endless quest to be titillated in body while the soul is languishing and starving for greatness. So you cry out for help to God. And then you set yourself on a conscious quest to obey God's strategy for cultivating a spiritual mind that is fully alert to the glories of God, radiant in the world and radiant in the word. You, you make Colossians 3, 1 to 3, your marching orders. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So you pray that God would cause you to be stunned by the meaning of those verses and be disciplined in the pursuit of that new mindset of setting your minds on things that are above. Then then you go over to Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, to get specific, and you realize the challenge before you. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In other words, Paul is calling us to discipline the focus of our minds so that we fix the mind, the focus of the mind on things that are worthy and that have the potential to deepen and strengthen and purify our souls. And the specifics that I would recommend would be these. First, that you be part of a local church where the preaching is blood earnest and serious, where God besotted joy and not flippant silliness marks the wonders of the Word of God. That's first. Second, I would look carefully at my friendships. Who am I spending time with? And I would remember 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Superficiality is a very, very, very contagious disease. If you only hang out with superficial people, you will almost certainly be superficial. If you only hang out with superficial social media and TV programs, you will almost certainly be a superficial person. On the other hand, Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Oh, that's so good. Psalm 119.63 says, I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. And Hebrews 10.24 says, let us consider, think about, ponder, consider how to stir up one another to love. Love is the greatest thing in all the universe if we understand what God understands by love. And the last thing I would say is read, read, read the great dead Puritan writers whose works are unlike anything 
you will find in the 20th and 21st century because they are so non-superficial, non-silly, non-trivial, non-man-centered. The works of Jonathan Edwards and John Owen and Jeremiah Burroughs and John Bunyan and J.C. Ryle and Charles Spurgeon, John Newton. I'm thinking of you, Tony. (laughs) (laughs) Just John Newton. Uh, A steady diet of these authors will, will go a long way to reversing a superficial mindset and replacing it with a deeply joyful mind ready to discover wonders and be amazed everywhere we look. So these authors, I think, will drive us back to the Word of God with eyes that are able to see the glories that God really did put there. Amen. Thank you, Pastor John. And uh, thanks for mentioning John Newton. As many of you know, uh, I'm not really a a podcast host. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm actually a, a writer and an author, and this was an allusion to my book, John Newton on the Christian Life. Thank you for the mention, uh, Pastor John, to John Newton on the Christian Life. I wrote that back in 2015. If you cannot get enough of the Ask Pastor John podcast, you can join our many listeners by subscribing to our audio feeds and search our episode archive, and even reach us by email with a question of your own. You can do all of this through our online home at desiringgod.org forward slash John. Well, Friday, we close the week with a personal question for you, Pastor John, a listener uh, named Tim from the UK. He wants to press into all of this joy talk that we have, and he wants to know, is John Piper happy? That's putting it rather bluntly. And is the question on the table next time. I'm your host, Tony Ranke, and we'll see you then.